All right, let's take our Bibles then. Joshua <clears throat> chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. There, say amen. Amen. Starting in verse number 6. <clears throat> a few pages, that's all right. I love that sound, by the way. I think I told you this, Brother McCracken. He has no Brother McCracken. By the way, if you don't know who he is, he preached at Riverside, the revival, two months ago, I guess now, which is crazy to think about. It's been that long. Um, but we have him scheduled for next year in so I'm excited to have him. Uh, anyway, he, he, he always says this when all that's going. He's like, if you're going to use a phone app, at least have it make that sound. So I love that sound. That means we're all opening our Bibles, looking at it ourselves. Don't take my word for it. Let's look at it. Verse 6. It says, And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, that's it, Jephunneh, the, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. Amen. And he said, These forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore Eighty and eighty-five. I'm sorry, four score and five years old. That's eighty-five. I was did the math before I was done reading. That's eighty-five years old. He is. Verse eleven. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, and my strength was then. Even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest that thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. In the name of Hebron, before Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. And so tonight, uh, I think it's a little bit different in our bulletin. <clears throat> the, the message is this. Stay faithful because God is faithful. Stay faithful because God is faithful. Let's pray to get into it tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Caleb and the life of faithfulness that he lived and the example he is to us. And I pray that you help us, God, as we consider, Lord, this passage, that you would help me to explain it in a way that can be understandable and, and work in the hearts tonight as we hear from you. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. 
And so uh, we're at the time here, I'll remind you, where we're in Joshua's life, where he's done fighting the battles, and he's done winning the land, and now it's time for him to divide the land. Now, as we read this, we might have forgot that, because there's kind of a, almost like a parenthetical thought here. We'll, we'll explain that here in a second. But, but, but Joshua is about to divide the land among the tribes. And we talked last time about that two and a half tribes. Remember that? We had the Jordan River, and the two and a half tribes were on the other side, and they asked for their inheritance before. Moses already divided that land for them, and Joshua was then just to confirm what Moses already gave them. And we're not going to re-preach all of that, but that is done. He's done that. And now it's time for Joshua to shift gears and divide the rest of the land to that other nine and a half tribes on this side of Jordan. And again, it was supposed to be done by lots. Remember that? By lots. And now again, we, we aren't told in Scripture exactly how that was done um, according to Jewish tradition, that remember we said that there were two urns, two basically bowls, and in one bowl would be the names of the tribes, and the other bowl would be the name, would be the land uh, boundaries, and they would just draw out a name of a tribe and draw out a boundary, put those together, and that would have been it. Now, now again, we don't know if that's exactly how it's done, but but that's essentially was it. It was some kind of of randomized process uh, there. It could have been it could have been drawing straws. We do that, you know. Whoever draws the short straw, you know, that's the one that gets maybe the tiny land. You don't want to get the short straw or flipping a coin, something like that. I was actually thinking about all of this yesterday at the cakewalk. Who was at the cakewalk? Most of us were at the cakewalk. That was super fun. If you're not if you're not familiar with the cakewalk, basically what you do is you you have a big circle with numbers, and people walk around on the numbers, and music is playing, and whenever the music stops, everyone says, "Be still." Right? And then Miss Misty found on her phone a randomized number generator. Right? And so that's cool. I mean, we, technology these days, you know. I remember in my day, you had to get names and put them in a circle and make the papers and stick it in and pull it out. But now, nope, I have an app for that. And so, randomized number. And then, so the, they're walking around in the circle. The music stops. They stop on a number. Miss Misty gets the random number. And whoever has that number gets a cake. Beautiful. Blessing. Amen? And so by lots. We gave away cakes by lots. Amen? That's cakewalk. And so something like that was done to divide the rest of the land. And again, uh, we understand it wasn't just blind chance, although humanly speaking it was totally random, but we understand that God was in control of all this. And God told them to do that. God told them to, do, to, to divide the land by lots. And so they could have trusted that whatever land they get, it was the hand of God, and they just left. The point is, they this nine and a half tribe, they would have left it up to God. While we said the two and a half tribes, they didn't. It didn't work out for them. Okay, <clears throat> so that's where we are. And so Joshua had finished that two and a half tribes, and now uh, in verse six we see this. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and so now. You know, those two and a half tribes are done. It's time to divide the rest of the land. So Judah comes and says, okay, I'm ready for us to do my, our, our inheritance, you know, by lots. But before that happens, it all gets cut off because Caleb shows up. And he speaks up, like, hold on, wait. We're not done giving out the land that was already proportioned, right? We talked about the two and a half tribes that asked Moses, and Moses gave them their land. Well, there was one specific family, not a tribe, 
one family who has already uh, been promised an inheritance, and it's Caleb. And so Caleb began to remind Joshua about what God promised him 45 years ago. I think I would have forgot, probably. You know how I am, but he didn't. He remembered exactly. No, I don't think you'd forget this. Uh, but back in Numbers 13, we're not going to turn there just for sake of time. Um, we'll, we'll read a couple of verses out of that area. So if you want to turn there, you're more than welcome to. But back in Numbers 13, Israel had made it to the brink of the Jordan, uh, uh, the brink of Canaan land. It didn't take very long, right? So Moses came and he freed, you know, he didn't, but God used Moses to free Israel from Egypt. And they pretty much walked right to Canaan land. I think it was two years into the thing. They got there and they were going to enter Canaan land. You remember this story? And Moses sent in 12 spies. And 10 were bad, and 2 were good. I always mess that up. I have to go nice and slow. Uh, 10 were bad, 2 were good. What does that mean? Well, when they went into the land, there were 10 spies of the 12 that saw the inhabitants of the land. And the inhabitants of the land were what? Giants. Yeah. And giants are scary. We say this all the time. And you need to, you know, you need God's help to beat the giants. And it seems like 31 of the NFL teams have God's help this year because it's not good. So anyway, a lot of spiritual NFL players right now. Uh, anyways, we'll get off that topic, all right? But anyway, so the 10 went into the land, and they saw the scary giants, and they said, we can't do this. The enemy's too great. We can't do this. But two saw the land, and they didn't even hardly see the giants. All they saw was a blessing. All they saw was an awesome land. All they saw was this awesome Mount Hermon. Or, is that it, Hermon? Hebron, yeah. Where's the beat? Hebron. And, um, they, they, and they saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw the, the grape bundles that took two men to carry. And they're like, man, I can't believe that God gave us this. And so those two men were Joshua and Caleb. And they were pumped. And they get back and they're like ready to tell them, hey guys, God gave us the land. We can take it. It's awesome. But before they could even do that, we have the ten who are complaining and talking about all the problems and we can't do this. And unfortunately, Israel chose to believe the ten. Right? And they believed the ten. They, they chose that it was too hard to enter the land. They did, here's in the end what happened. They didn't believe God. Right? And they were, they, they were so... They were so uh, focused on the potential problems that they forgot how big their God was. You know, the God who just freed them from Israel, the, from, from, from Egypt, and the ten plagues that they brought, and the God who showed up on Mount Sinai, you know, in, a, in, in fire and cloud, and gave the ten commandments. That God is not able to take care of these giants. And so he said, no, we can't do it. And so... Because of that, because they chose not to believe God, uh, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. That's why it took so long. You know, that, can you, have you ever thought of that? What in the world? How far away is this? Not very far, but God made them wander in, for, for, in the wilderness for 40 years. Why did he do that? Because if you, if you did turn, Numbers 14, 29 and 30, here's what God says. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number. Now, this is why the book of Numbers is called Numbers. Because we have the numbers of those who went to the brink of the promised land, 
and didn't believe God. And then for 40 years, they travel in the wilderness. And at the end of Numbers, those are gone. And now we're numbering the next generation. And these are the numbers that get to go in. You see? And then Deuteronomy is they give the law again. So there you go, the whole Torah. We'll just see it in like five minutes. Not even. That was pretty impressive. See, you say I'm long-winded, but that was pretty awesome. And so anyway, so he said, your whole number, you're going to fall in this wilderness. Here's what he says. From 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, those who did not believe that I was powerful enough to bring you into the land, all of the adults, all of those who were old enough to vote, amen, all right, 20 and up, those who had a say in this decision, you are all going to die in the wilderness. That is the only reason that they traveled for 40 years, because we had to wait for that generation to pass on in the wilderness, because they weren't allowed to enter the land. The verse 30 says, Doubtless, ye shall not come into the land, concerning I swear to you to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Those are the, Joshua and Caleb were the only two in that generation that believed God. Now Moses believed God, but we know he, he messed up right before, and that's a really sad story we don't have time to get into. But Joshua and Caleb were the only two of that generation that would go in. And so God said, he told them that. Then we get to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and Moses makes it very specific to Caleb what he is going to have when he gets into the land. If you look in Deuteronomy 1, 34, if, if you, or just listen close, here's what uh, Moses said. And the Lord heard the voice of your words, and was wroth, and swear. Now he's talking to uh, Israel as a whole, the ones who rejected God. And he said, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land. Those who didn't trust me, you won't see the land which I swear to give to your fathers. Verse 36, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And here's what it says. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon. So God said that land that Caleb went in and spied out, that mount that he walked around and he saw it, he stepped on as he spied out the land, that mountain he was excited about, that land that he knew God could give them, he said, God says, I'm going to give that mountain to Caleb. That mountain he walked on as they spied out the land. Both him, and it says, and to his children. Why? Because he hath wholly followed the Lord. So Joshua, Caleb trusted God. Caleb didn't care. Listen, listen. back when he was, I think we were going to find out today, he was 20, 20 years old, I believe it was, that he, even way back then, 45 years before our passage, Caleb lived this way. I don't care how hard it looks. I don't care how intimidating the enemy is. If God told me to do it, I'm going to do it, even if it kills me. But if he wants me to do it, he's going to give me the strength to do it. This is how Caleb lived his life. This is, a, this is a person who wholly trusts the Lord. He didn't just follow God when it was convenient. He didn't just follow God when he felt like he could do it. No, in fact, he knew he couldn't do much. But if God told him to, then God can strengthen them to take care of whatever God wanted him to do. This is how Caleb lived his life. And because Caleb lived that way, God blessed him. And all that time ago, 45 years before this, we find that, that Moses, God through, through Moses promised him that land. And so Caleb was 40, not 20, 40, when Moses promised him the land 
And now, 45 years later, he is still ready to claim that mountain. Still ready. He knows that God's going to give it to him. And so, if you get, look at verse 6 again, about halfway through, he says this to, to, John, to Joshua. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses. We're back in Joshua 14, by the way. Joshua 14, verse 6. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Caleb says, hey, Joshua, you remember what we did? And he goes back and rehashes really the story I told you. And um, he said, you know, God helped us do that. God gave us that land. And, you know, they didn't believe. And, and you, Joshua, you and I did. And, and you remember what Moses said? He said, I can have that mountain. And so, uh, <clears throat> verse 7, for 40 years old I was I when Moses promised that to me. Again, verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren, this the ten spies that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Those ten convinced Israel that God couldn't do this. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou wholly followed my God, the Lord my God. And so um, he says he's remembering what Moses said. He, sees, he knows where they are in this process. He knows that Joshua has taken the land. He knows that Joshua's in the middle of, of divvying out the land. And before that, he wants to make sure that he gets that mountain that God promised him. Now, here's the thing that's crazy. If you uh, look at the end of verse 10, it says, I am this day fourscore and five years old. So he's 85. And he says, I'm 85. But that doesn't matter. Why? Because God promised me that I'm going to have this mountain, and here's what God did for me, verse 11. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. He says, I'm, as an 85-year-old man, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. That's a blessing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so God, but here's the point, is that God has really, really providentially and, and miraculously in a way given him strength to, to take and possess what God promised. Here's what we're beginning to see. God will always keep his promise. And so God promised him he'd have this mountain. And 45 years have passed, and he's getting well up into years, but it doesn't matter any of that. Why? Because what matters more than any of the circumstances, what matters more than, than uh, Caleb's ability is this. God said it. And so God was going to make it happen, and God equipped him to do that. And so he was ready to, climb that, to claim that mountain that God has promised him. He says this, As my strength was then, even so my strength is now for war. He remembers those giants, and he's been itching to go take them out. And he said, I am still strong enough to go in there and clean house in Hebron and take care of those giants, Amen. And so to both to go out and go in. So verse 12, Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how that the Anakim, the giants were there, that the cities were great and fenced. So you know, we have the giant. So here, here's what we have going against him. He's 85. He's been walking around for 45 years. We have giants in the land that are way bigger than him. And the cities that they built were great and fenced. And, and Caleb is the same old Caleb. I don't care. I don't care how old I am. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how fancy their fence is. It doesn't matter. Why? Because look at the end of verse 12. 
If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord hath said. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't matter how hard it is. What matters is, if God has told me to do it, and God is with me, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all that mattered to him. Yep. That's all he cared about from the beginning. From, from the time we meet Caleb, that's his life. And he, was, he faithfully kept that through the end of his life. And now we get to this verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. And so he, he got that land. And verse 15, in the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Harba, which Arba was a great man of the Anakim. So before he showed up, it wasn't called Mount Hebron, it was called that. And it was called that because of some big fancy giant that was there. But Joshua took care of that guy, and he renamed it Hebron. And he got the land that God promised all of those years ago. So we'll make a, a few statements here by way of application, and we'll be done. <clears throat> Number one is this. All that matters in life, as you're living this life, and you're making decisions, and you're living your day-to-day -day life, here's all that matters. If God is with you, and if God told you to do it, the only thing you need to worry about is are you doing what God told you to do? If you know, if you're clear that you're doing what God told you to do, it didn't matter to Caleb that he was 85. It didn't matter that these people were literally giants and intimidating that these people were so big that the entire nation of Israel said, they're too big for us, let's get out of here. It didn't matter to Caleb. It didn't matter that they had great and fenced cities. All that mattered to him was that God was with him and that God had said. God is with me, God had said. And if God was with him and if God had said, he says this, I shall be able. That's how he thought. And that's how we need to think. We can't look at our life based on what we're able to accomplish. We can't, we can't go through life and, and kind of weigh our ability based on the ability that what God's called us to do. Because if you live that way, here's how, you'll be more like Saul than you would be like Caleb. Do you remember Saul, King Saul, who came to be the first king of Israel? And remember why they chose him? Because he was big in stature and, and he was kind of a smart guy. And, and so he starts off and and he was pretty intimidated to start with, and he knew he couldn't really live this life and be the king God wanted him to be on his own. And so he was humble, and he asked for God's help, and, and that's what God did. He God helped him, and, and, and King Saul actually at first became a great king. And he started winning battle after battle after battle, and, and the, army, the armies of Israel are starting to feel really good about themselves because they have their king now, and they're winning these victories. And they started to become a pretty powerful nation. But here's what happened along the way is they started to forget that it was God who was doing this, and they started to gauge how well they were and how, how much they were able to handle based on their ability. And so they would see an army and they would say, oh, that army, we can take care of that because we did this and this in the back, and we, we can handle this army. But then Goliath, who was also a giant, shows up. And, and that mentality will work for you as long as you feel like you're, you're able to handle it, but now we have this giant in front of Saul, and it's very obvious that God wants them to take him out, 
But Saul's not thinking that way. Saul's not thinking, what does God want me to do? If God wants me to do it, I can handle it. That's not how he was thinking. He was saying, I'm here, Goliath is here, it's not happening. And most of Israel has felt that way, right? All the armies were, were cowering in fear. And then David shows up, right? Shepherd boy David. And he's like, hey, who's this guy who's mocking our God and mocking the people of Israel? Let's take him out. David didn't care he's huge. David didn't care about the weight of the entire... Because listen, if David loses, not only does he die, but all of Israel is now slaves to the Philistines. He didn't care about the pressure. He didn't care about any of that. He didn't care about his reputation. He just knew God wants to take this guy out. If God wants me to take this guy out, I'm going to go take him out. That's how he lived. Because all that mattered to David was that God was with him and God told him to. And if you know that God is with you, you're right with God, and you're confident this is what God wants you to do, then you can be confident. You don't have to be nervous. You don't have to be worried. You just follow God, and, and you watch as God does it. I don't know what God's dealing with you about. I don't know what changes God wants you to make. I don't know um, what, how God's convicting your heart and decisions that you have in front of you, but here's what I do know. Whatever it is, if you know God wants you to do it, you can do it. If there's some addiction in your life that God wants to get out of your life, then you just need to start doing it and, and trusting that God's going to take care of it. If there's some relationship situation and maybe years of bitterness that, that's fostering in your family or with somebody, and you know God wants you to talk to that person, God wants you to forgive that person, you might be saying, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. If, if God wants you to do it and he's told you to do it, then you can do it. You just have to trust him and go take care of whatever he's called you to do. If you've had this personality issue and you say my personality is this way and, and I can't overcome it and I just I just have this negative spirit or I have this this anger angry spirit or whatever well does God want you to have that 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 attitude that spirit well no and so if God wants you to change that then you can overcome that as long as you know it's what God wants you to do you need to trust him and follow that it doesn't matter what your ability is all that all that matters is what God wants you to do you have some co-workers at work that you're nervous to talk to, hey, you just need to know that God will give you the words to say. He'll give you the courage. You just got to, but you have to step out and do it. But you need to know if, if, if you know God wants you to reach out to that person, then you just need to step out and, and see what God does. You see? Because all that matters really is that God told him to do it. There's that. <clears throat> Number two is this. When you follow God today, there's a good chance it's going to have a big impact later. I'm sure Caleb was thankful right here. As an 85-year-old man, I'm sure he was thankful that all those years ago, he wholly followed the Lord. Right? That decision he made 45 years ago allowed him now to have this mountain. Right? And he, I'm sure he's thankful that he made that decision. And I, I want to tell you this. If you, if you decide something for God, and you go for it, and you do what God has called you to do, a couple things about that. It's going to be hard, and, and you're gonna, there's potential that you're going, to be, you're going to suffer for it in some way. You're going to find some opposition to it. But here's what I guarantee you. You will not regret it. If you follow God, you will not regret it. And you will be thankful by the time you get to around 85 that you made that decision. And I'll, I'll also guarantee you this, it's not in the text, but I, I believe it's implied, that you'll, be, you'll, you'll regret 
those times that you neglected to follow him. I, and I think that the, the, the descendants of these that didn't follow God, these people in Israel, I mean, we don't think about this a lot, but there's a lot of Israel here that doesn't have dad and grandpa and grandma entering the land with them, and they wish that, that those people would have trusted God way back then. And I'm telling you, the decisions you make now will make an impact down the road. And you right now are a result of decisions you made in the past. And you are right now making decisions that are going to affect who you are down the road. And we need to think that way. We need to think that way, because that's the reality. It's the reality. But it didn't just affect him, did it? It didn't just affect his life in the future. Hebron became the inheritance for Caleb and all his descendants. And so that decision to follow God wholeheartedly made an impact for him, but also made an impact for generations to come as they settled on that mountain with those awesome grapes. Amen. I want to see those grapes. I don't know if they're still there, but man. And here's the deal. When you decide to follow God, it will impact the rest of your life, and it will even impact generations to come, and you could change your family tree. You could change your family tree. And I'll, and I'll tell you this, you can negatively change your family tree as well. And your decisions affect a lot. And, and here's the bummer about it, is like when you're a teenager, like between like 15 and 25, those decisions affect a lot. And for some reason, we, this culture has decided to tell our kids to just live it up and do whatever you want, just have fun. No, don't do that. You need to be thinking about what's going to happen 20 years down the road, 45 years down the road, because those decisions will affect you down the road. And we need to, we need to live more for longer than just today. We need to look that far down the road and, and understand this. The decisions I make now will affect there. They will affect there. And you will not regret it if you follow God now. And, and listen, he for 45 years, he wholeheartedly followed God, and then for 45 years, he's just walking around in the desert. He might have been tempted. I don't think Caleb was. We know anything about him. But all, a lot of us would be tempted to think, man, this stinks. I chose to follow God, and here I am, walking around with all these wimps who want to go in the land, you know. But it paid off, and God was faithful, Right? God is faithful to bless the faithful. And be faithful because your God is faithful. Okay, and the last one is this. <clears throat> Never lose faith that God will keep his promises. Forty-five years later, Caleb never lost faith that God would give him what he promised to give him, that God would give him that mountain. And the moment the time came, he was ready to jump in the land. And it might have been difficult for him to stay faithful to God for all of that time as he wandered in the desert, and, and, but he just kept following God. And then as they walked into the land and he's fighting all these wars, uh, he, might, he, he might have been tempted to think, this is never going to happen, I'm never going to be blessed by God. But he just kept following God. He kept being faithful, even in the grind. Because that 45 years of grinding, eventually God gave him what God promised to give him. Listen, in our, in our fast-paced, drive-through, microwave culture we live in, if we don't see results now, then we wasted our time. That's kind of how we feel sometimes. And we, we want results quick in, 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 our, in our society we live in. We're kind of pampered in a lot of ways. 
But really, real life doesn't work that way. And oftentimes, God's, God's ways don't work that way. And sometimes we get to where we're like, if God, I, I made a decision for God and nothing's changed yet, so maybe I made the wrong decision. No, hold on. You just be faithful to do what God's called you to do. Oftentimes, the blessings of God are not immediate. And we, we, we be faithful, we be faithful, and, and you know sometimes things are exciting, but to be honest, in the Christian life, a lot of our Christian life is a grind. And you just got to, it's mundane sometimes. And it's just day by day by day. And, and getting up in the morning and reading your Bible and praying and going to work and trying not to kill anybody and be a good example and testimony and, and, and talking to your family and, and taking care of your kids or doing whatever. And it's, a, it's like a day, week by week by week. It's almost like sometimes things never change. But you just need to keep being faithful and plug away. And God will use the faithfulness of continuing to follow God day by day, and one day it'll add up and culminate and, and God will do something, and you'll be thankful for those years and those weeks and those months that you were just faithful to continue to be faithful to what God has called you to do. God will bless. God will bless. <clears throat> when you share the gospel with somebody, they don't usually get saved right away. In fact, if they do, it kind of makes me nervous. Right? Because again, when you plant a seed, it doesn't immediately sprout. And so sometimes we get discouraged because we're, tr- we're, reaching, we're trying to tell people and we're inviting people to church and we're spreading the gospel and we're telling our family and, and no one seems to be coming to church and, and no one seems to be getting right with God or, or whatever. And sometimes we get discouraged and think we did something wrong. But we're not doing anything wrong. We just keep planting and watering. And these things take time. And to get real results almost always takes a good amount of time. Your kids probably don't do right after the first time you've talked to them. And you think, oh, I've been, I've been tell, I told her like twice. She did it again. Well, yeah, yeah. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up. It's like, it's like, it's like sardines. It's like kids are like a sardine can just crammed with foolishness, okay? And we need to help them, okay? And it takes longer than a couple of times. They need to be trained. They need to be nurtured. They need to be admonished. Over and over and over and over and over again. And it's a lifelong process of, of, of driving out the flesh and, and, and helping them see God's way. And it's not natural to us to live the life God's called us to live. It's not natural for our kids to know how to do right and to know not to be selfish. And so it just it's a process. And to see real change in your kids takes a lifetime of training. Now you can... You can threaten them, and you can, and you can change their behavior pretty quick. But if you want true change in the heart of your child, it's a lifetime of investment and training and nurturing, and you cannot expect quick results. You can't. That's not how it works. Learning what the Bible says, becoming biblically literate, knowing the doctrines of the Word of God. Hey, that takes a lot of time. You're not just going to come to church for, for six months and have it all figured out. It's just not the way it is. It's going to take years of study, years of labor, years of being faithful to church. I will tell you, if you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, it sure speeds up the process by like three. Yeah, three times. And hey, maybe we should do it more. I don't know. What do you think? Okay, well. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, what I'm saying is it takes, it takes years of faithfulness. 
And you might have been coming to church for like two or three years and coming and coming and reading your Bible every day and you're still thinking like, man, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. Just keep being faithful. Don't, don't give up. Keep doing it. Keep reading your Bible every day, even if you don't understand everything. Keep coming to church and doing your best to focus on that, on that guy who's just being so nerdy and talking about all these words. Just keep focusing and God will get in your mind and God will help you and God, the Holy Spirit of God will illumine as you continue to, hear, to learn. But, but I'm telling you, it is, it is a process. We need, to be, we need to be willing to go through processes in life and not, and not expect things to be just given to us right away and right away and right away. Mature, it's, a, it's a maturity issue where we, where we, learn, we learn to defer pleasure now and, and be in the process and delay pleasure and, and gain real substance and result. We need to live that way. We can't live in, in, the, in the here and now. I'm bored, so I'm not going to do it. No, you got to get through that, right? A child, a child just does what feels good all the time. But a, but a mature person delays pleasure, goes to work, gets the paycheck, then has fun, you see? And that, it's a mark of maturity in life, but it's a mark of maturity in Christianity as well, in the spiritual life. And, and if you're wanting to just to, to immediately be spiritually mature and have the, the spiritual walk that others have, and you envy them, and you, you want that overnight, it's not going to happen. You need to be willing to grind and just be where God wants you to be and, and plug away and read your Bible and pray to God and come to church and serve the Lord and serve the Lord, and, and God will do it. He'll bless your faithfulness. And the Bible says that those who are faithful and little will be given much. But we have to be willing to do the daily grind and then see what God will do. Be faithful to God because God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Caleb who trusted you. Lord, even when things were difficult, even when things were grind, even when things seemed impossible, we just trusted you. We kept following you step by step. Lord, help us, Lord, to have that kind of spiritual maturity. Help us to trust you at all times. Lord, help us be willing to go through a grind. Help us to be willing to put ourselves in a situation that seems impossible and train ourselves to live this way, that whatever you want us to do, we're going to do it because we trust you. We love you. Christ, in my prayer. Amen. Let's stand together.